Hello, and welcome back to Catching Up David. Today is episode 26, My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Hello, Hallie. Hello, David. Hello, Kristen. Hello, David. So, I thought that we'd start it off a little bit differently this week. So, mm-hmm. it's time for My Big Fat Greek Wedding. That's ha, ha, it. Ha. That's what's different. It's just the name. So, some facts. <laughs> About my big fat Greek wedding. <laughs> it's a 2002 romantic comedy film written by Nia Vardalos, who also stars as Tula. Since I didn't know anybody else in the cast, I just looked up some Nia Vardalos facts. So, she's a former member of Chicago's Second City Repertory Company and won a Best Actress Award for her work with them. She's written five other screenplays and has appeared on such TV shows as Boy Meets World, The Drew Carey Show, Curb Your Enthusiasm, The Great American Baking Show, and Disney's DuckTales, where she was the voice of Celine for a few episodes. Hallie, in case you remember who Celine is. Oh! That's exciting! Yeah, that's... that's Tula. That's Tula! I never knew that! You get a point. I do get a point. Okay, yeah, Celine was who I thought she was. I'm happy. I thought we were given points for things that we just know. Like, David always looks things up. I don't know. I'm just really excited about that fact, so I think it deserves a point. Celine is a Greek goddess on DuckTales. So am I. There you go. No, you're not. I haven't seen the new DuckTales yet, but Hallie tells me it's good. I hear good things from Hallie. No one else I know of watches it. Which is not to say that it's bad. It's just that no one else I know watches it. It's incredible, and everybody should watch DuckTales. Like, it is it is one of the finest cartoons of our generation. Is it better than Gravity Falls? <sighs> You'd hit... I can't make... I can't make that call in this moment right now. So DuckTales is very good. Big Fat Greek Wedding. Big Fat Greek Wedding. <laughs> I keep forgetting that... I had jokingly suggested we should take personality quizzes based on the movies that we watch. And this would have been a pretty good one to do. This would have been, shoot, we'll have to do that after the recording and then we'll put our results on Twitter or something. That's true. We should do that. Anyways, Nia Vardalos. My Big Fat Greek Wedding started as a one-woman play that she wrote and starred in, which was very popular in LA where she performed it. And apparently... This is from the Wikipedia. Rita Wilson, who is Greek, went to go see it and told her husband, Tom Hanks, that he should go see it too because it was really great. And he also loved it. And that's how they wound up with co-producer credits of the movie because they decided they wanted to uh, support it when it got turned into a film. Well, that's exciting. Yeah. She also co-wrote a script with Tom Hanks later. So they had a little bit of a little bit of a Tom Hanks friendship. Aww, don't we Everybody all wish that. we had a little bit of a Tom Everybody... Hanks friendship? Like that's the universal human dream. Yes, everybody wishes they had that sort of Tom Hanks friendship. Despite never reaching number one at the box office, the movie was a big hit, earning three hundred sixty-eight million dollars worldwide off of its five million dollar budget. Which is a lot better than Holy Motors, <laughs> which also had which a budget of around that. barely made it that. through. 
It was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay, and it spawned a few different spin-offs, including a sequel and a short-lived TV series entitled My Big Fat Greek Life. In hmm. case it's been a while since you've seen it, My Big Fat Greek Wedding is the story of Tula Portakalos, a 30-year-old Greek woman living with her parents in Chicago and working at the family restaurant. Her father, Gus, wants her to get married to a good Greek man, but Tula has bigger plans for her life, including going to the local college to learn more about computers. She gets a job at the family travel agency, where she meets Ian Miller, a decidedly non-Greek man with whom she falls in love. This is a problem. Ian proposes, and Tula happily accepts, and the two of them have to work to convince her family that, Greek or not, Ian and Tula are meant to be. A lamb on a spit, a Windex obsession, and countless shots of Uzo, my big fat Greek wedding. So, seeing it for the first time, I don't tend to watch a whole lot of romantic comedies, though maybe I should, because I usually wind up enjoying them quite a bit. <laughs> I like When Harry Met Sally a lot, and Rachel Getting Married, and this movie reminded me of both of those at different points. I've never seen Rachel Getting Married. It's it's good. It's much more... See, one of the things I felt a little bit misled about in the movie is, despite being called My Big Fat Greek Wedding, the wedding only happens in, like, the final 10 or 15 minutes of the movie, and the rest of it is their relationship and getting to know each other and getting to know the family, all of which was great, but not enough... Not not as much wedding as I was anticipating. Would Rachel, you prefer it be called My Big Fat Greek Getting to Know a Boy Who Isn't Greek? I, the title would need a little bit of work. It needed it need work. But the wedding is, you know what you're getting into. Like, that's oh, one this thing is... That I also felt this like... This is about not, a wedding. I, didn't, I never felt misled about it. But it was sort of, you know, I feel like rom-coms typically take place, even if it is over a couple months or years you don't have from the very beginning to the very end not that getting married is like the end or anything but you know in how to lose a guy in 10 days that takes place over 10 days and it's just this short little thing but this is from before Tula meets Ian and then their relationship their engagement planning the wedding and then the wedding and the reception and it's I think it threw me because that is not the typical rom-com formula. I wasn't against it, but it was... I remember feeling surprised when I first watched it, which was not this time. It was many, many years ago. Yeah, the time frame feels a little bit more like when Harry met Sally, where you mm -hmm. see them as they both first arrive in New York and kind of go their separate ways and they're like different comings togethers and fallings aparts. Though there aren't really, there's not really any up and down in the relationship between Tula and Ian. They're they're pretty good for each other, pretty much throughout. They're adorable. I love them. Yeah. It's one thing that as I was watching it, I really appreciated because it, that that hadn't, uh, like that thought hadn't occurred to me any other time I watched it. But maybe it's this time because I was preparing to have a discussion about it. I noticed, wow, they as a couple don't have any problems. All the conflict is around them. And again, usually the rom-com formula is that, 
you know, three quarters of the way through, there's some big misunderstanding and then there's a fight and people don't talk or whatever. But no, they were consistently good because they're a solid couple. And I really like both Ian and Tula. Yeah, agreed. Like, that's, I, I really like that there's no. I mean, I think that, you know, a down in their relationship would just draw focus away from more important things to focus on. Which maybe it's like, I also don't like romantic comedies very much, but this is one that I. I've liked them more as I've, as I've gotten older, but this was one that I even liked when I was younger and made part of my identity. I don't like rom coms. This why one was just like it was. Why? why I don't know. Do I thought it was cool. Hate rom coms. What is wrong with both of you? I don't hate rom coms now. I just you know David went through his like I'm too cool for literally all pop culture thing, <sighs> and then I went through I'm too cool to like things that other girls like phase in like high school. When did this come out? Was it high school? I feel like it was because I remember watching. Hallie, it was 2002. You were not in high school. Oh, well, good. Okay, then I just saw it for the first time in high school. I worried that this was, like, later than that. Never mind. I really like My Big Fat Greek Wedding. And it's one of the few rom-coms that's been, like, a steady, I have always liked this particular rom-com. And I think, largely, it is because there's no, like, tragic misunderstanding that could be patched up very, very easily. And is not patched up very, very easily. Yeah, it's, it's I don't know. Like I really like the effect that ro- that like a romance has on like the life of on the lives of your loved ones and and the ones who are close to you, and then how like your partner responds to that. Like I I think it's a really interesting dynamic, and obviously it's it's funny in this movie because it's it's dialed up, but I still think it's really really good. Yeah, I uh, that is something that. I appreciated as well that there wasn't that big fight moment that does feel fairly typical of of rom-coms or like somebody somebody lies to somebody else and that causes a, a rift when they could have just come clean about whatever small thing it was and like right like it's like a really silly thing yeah I liked that the two of them were solid throughout, and it was more trying to convince Tula's family that this was right, and even sort of convincing Ian's family a little bit. They didn't need as much convincing, I guess, but it, it was, you know, there's a little bit of culture shock going both ways when Tula meets Ian's parents. Yeah, Ian's parents are just kind of like, they're like fish to me. They don't, I mean, they're fine at the end, but, like, at the beginning, I was like, God, you're being the worst. Like, you don't respond to anything anybody says. You just have these blank fish-like stares. What do you, what do you want people to do? You gotta make conversation. And I was so upset when they were at the family party that, to be fair, wasn't supposed to be a family party. It was supposed to be a quiet dinner. Uh, But people kept trying to, like, give them things and... I don't know. They just, like, seemed incapable of saying, no thank you, or I don't particularly like this cut of- I don't know. They just- they bugged me more than I remember them bugging me in previous watch-throughs. So I guess they did need convincing, but they didn't have any pushback either. They were just there. Yeah. I liked- I don't know. I did like the contrast between how vibrant Tula's family is versus how super boring and fish-like the Millers are. (laughs) I thought that that 
added a whole lot to the movie that no ian, it definitely ian, did i the just ian comes like, from like the most boring family imaginable like you can be boring while also saying words yeah i mean i guess so that's certainly take Callie for example wow zing that was a good one that right cut. i mean it was fine i think it was pretty good i get a point keep going you don't get a point that's not how you the point system works it's not how the point system works. Only I can alter the point system according um, to my whims. I think I can actually. You gotta, you gotta cite the contract on that one. Contract says if you're a Virgo, you can do whatever you want. Neither Where? of you are Virgos, so it's page seven, article nine. Come on. There is no Article 9 on there page 7. There is an Article 9. It starts at the very, very bottom. So people often overlook it. Why would you start an article? That's a bad break. That is. Starting an article at the very it. bottom of the page. David didn't have us edit this before we began. So David, why didn't you have anyone edit the contract? It was an oversight. <laughs> I won't make that mistake again. Okay, carry on. Good, good. <laughs> Glad we've got that settled. Great. <laughs> we'll just cut all of that. <laughs> so I also really liked the way that the script wove together um, Gus, the father's different obsessions, to give us some really good payoffs at the end. Like in the limo when Ian says that he also had a pimple on the morning of their wedding. Yes. But he treated yes. it with Windex. And then... Yes. The apples and oranges speech at the reception, what ties yeah. together like the etymology gag that's run throughout the whole movie, and also like is a callback to the dinner with Ian's parents at the 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 first time that Tula meets them, and yeah. is talking about her name. I don't know. I thought that it was really well put together, and there were there were moments like that that kept coming out up throughout and then they finally they all led to some really nice big moment at the end yeah because they're not just one-off jokes like i mean they're more than one-off jokes and they're more than just one-off jokes that come back for like a laugh payback they're tied to like they're tied to these emotional moments you know like even the windex it's really funny but it's like ian taking something that tula's dad values to heart and you know kind of he's already proven that he's willing to like change and make sacrifices by like getting baptized in the greek orthodox church and stuff but this was like just a really small way that he didn't have to do to do it so it's also a really cute like i'm part of your family now i now value what your dad does kind of a moment and then obviously the apples and oranges is just a wonderful wedding speech yeah. It's really good at tying those things back. And, like, My Big Fat Greek Wedding has a lot of heart in it. And I think it's really, really cute and really, really nice and has, like, a really strong emotional core to it. Yeah. And very solid script writing. That's just, like, yeah. a it's like a good script writing technique. That helps fill the heart and stuff, but, like, you know. Yeah. So, what were some of your favorite scenes from the movie? I always enjoy when Nick tells Ian the wrong things. Or just how Nick and his cousin, who is one of the Backstreet Boys, 
are always like <laughs> teaming up against Ian. Or wait, is he from NSYNC or the Backstreet Boys? I think he might be from NSYNC. I take that back. I don't know. It was before my time. But I really liked when Nick is talking to Ian when they, when Ian finally meets her family on they're all at the restaurant. And Nick is like, I'm going to kill you. It's n- okay, before I go any further, the brother's name is Nick, right? I'm not making this up. It's Nick. Yeah. yeah. He- okay. Nick and- is Tula's brother. And then Angelo, I think, is the cousin. Angelo. Okay. Um... But I really like when Nick told Ian, if you do anything, I'll kill ya. And then he jokes and jokes, and he's like, haha, no, it's fine. But seriously, I'll kill ya. I have a gun. I will use it. And Ian's like, ho-ho, you're kidding. And then they turn to Angelo, and Angelo's like, hey, Ian, we'll kill ya. I just really enjoy the camaraderie between cousins and how they are teasing Ian, but you know that they're letting him into the family. And I also enjoy when Tula tells her aunt that Ian is a vegetarian. One, because yay for vegetarian representation. And two, love the classic, what do you mean he don't eat no meat? That's okay. I make lamb. I think it's fun. That was a lot of use in the trailer. Like, a lot. I didn't see the trailer because I was a youth when this came out and probably was like, rom-coms are stupid. Where's the Pokemon movie? I mean, yeah. Priorities. See, your priorities were the same as mine. No, they're not. Never say such a foul thing. I said they were the same as mine. Yeah. You have since drifted into sin, and so you no longer have my values. I don't want to think that we were ever similar. Mm. But yeah, I like those moments, and I really, throughout watching it this time enjoyed one Ian's a star I think he might be a valid contender for best rom-com male lead because again usually with other rom-coms there's always some sort of miscommunication or fight or whatever about something and they all yell at each other but you know there's something leading up to that that you're like man you should have handled that better but Ian handled everything so well and I enjoy when they're planning the wedding things at uh, Tula's house. And he sticks his hand out, or he says he has a cut, and then Gus just sprays the Windex on it. And you can tell Ian is thinking, why did that just happen? What? Why is Windex on my hand now? <laughs> but he just he rolls doesn't with question it. it. No, he just and, goes with it. <laughs> and then when they spit on Tula's nephew, and he's like, did... They just spit on him, and Tula's like, yeah, keeps the devil away. And again, he just rolls with it, because he loves Tula and is all in for joining this weird, crazy family. I think my favorite... I love him. Go ahead. I think my favorite Ian moment is when he... Is when they're secret. They, They get busted, so they're at... Tula's house and he's talking to Tula's dad and Tula's like you didn't come ask my permission and he's like sir with all due respect your daughter is 30 years old and he's like no a good boy would come ask my permission to date my daughter and he's like okay can I date your daughter and he goes no and then he just walks into the back kitchen and says I'll see you later to Tula and then leaves the house like he kind of tries but then he's like I can't I don't know what else to do. So he just gives up and leaves. I love it. Yeah, I like that moment too. How he just really isn't that phased by Gus and his overbearingness. 
No, not at all. He's just like, yeah, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> I also it's enjoy really good. the very sweet moments when Tula is standing up for herself and it cuts to her mom who looks so proud of Tula for standing up for herself or for declaring whatever it is that she's declaring. And I think it's a really sweet, heartfelt moment about, you know, just Tula coming into her own. Big fan. Big fan. Uh, My favorite moment isn't quite as emotionally poignant, but it has always been and will forever be when Tula looks out the window and her grandma is tiptoeing across the grass and then the sprinklers turn on, so she turns around. (laughs) I don't know why that scene kills me every single time. It was really But I love the little, like, sound she made and she, like, throws her hands up and then just goes back in. It doesn't come back. The scene doesn't matter. But I love it. It's my favorite. When what turns on, Hallie? The sprinklers. Okay, you said it normally that time. You said it weirdly the first time. No, I didn't. Yeah, you said sprinklers. Not sprinklers. Sprinklers. And I didn't like it, and I wanted to make fun of you. I don't think you're right. That is how you said it, and we literally have recording to go back and listen to. To prove that I'm right. I mean, I can't David, listen to it right now it? because it's recording. David, I, you heard it too, right? I honestly was not paying that much attention to how she pronounced the word sprinklers, but... You both disappoint me. Maybe I was just pronouncing it the Greek way. You were not. David, what were your favorite moments from the movie? I liked a lot of just Tula's character, I think. Tula's and great. Yeah, I liked... I liked the scene a lot where Tula decides she wants to go to college to learn about computers. And she's talking with her mom and her aunt as they're walking down the street and scheming to figure out how they're going to convince Gus that this is going to work. And then that whole scene... They have to convince it. It's his idea. That it's his idea. Yeah. Yes. And then there's that whole scene in the restaurant where the aunt, whose name I can never remember... I uh, Taya. Taya? Well, no, Taya, Taya, so. just, Taya, I think, Taya just, just means, means aunt. Oh, yeah. does it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Vula? Vula? V-O-U-L-A. Is it, is it Vula? Yes, it's Vula. Yes, yeah. Vula. I thought Where she just Vula had two is, like, names. Really awkwardly trying to recite the script they had worked out. <laughs> Woe to me. Woe to me. Business is bad. <laughs> I also like the part where she trips up and Gus is like, well, why don't you just have this do here and then you can do that? And she has a big pause and goes, that would work. And Tula's mom that has would to be, be like, good. that would not work. And she's like, no, that would not. <laughs> that would not be good. That would be no good. Because they do not know how to work the computers. But I like the big pause and the, that would be good. Yeah. <laughs> she's one like, of my favorite characters. I really love Vula. I like when she just takes Ian's parents and completely out of nowhere is like, I once had a lump in my neck and they did She's the bibop like, bibopsy yeah. and it, they found teeth and a spinal cord. And like th- completely without any sort of prelude, just is like your family now. Here's a weird story. That's, that's, what I'm saying. that's the prelude. The prelude is just we're family now. So this is, that's like the first thing she thinks that they need to know as family. And I love it. Yeah. It is It is an important detail. Everybody needs to know. It's very important. People I would probably learn about tell a lot of my people. twin brother. 
pretty soon after meeting me. So I can see where she's coming from. Yeah, you're alive, twin brother. Well, like mostly. Mostly? What'd you do to him? I mean, we don't have to get into it. Okay. But I respect your privacy on this matter. Yeah. Yeah. So I really like, I guess more about Tula. I, I do like that even though Gus is kind of oppressive and, you know, keeps her from, or throughout most of her life up till fairly recently has told her that she looks like she's getting old and needs to get married and has sort of kept her from pursuing the things that she wants. She's really turned it around and is going after the things that she really does want from life like going to college and learning about the computers and then dating Ian even though he isn't Greek and eventually getting engaged to him even though she knows that the family is going to take issue with that and I like too that she serves as inspiration for Nick who just wants to be an artist and how he eventually like decides he's going to enroll in some college courses too despite not getting any support from his from the family for doing what he really loves he's just going to go out and do it too because tula did and i thought that was a really nice sort of subplot that ran throughout the movie how like fairly early on we see that he's redesigned the venues and like drawn a thing on it which is like a pretty good drawing but his father's dismissive of it and like how that keeps coming back and weaving its way through the story too. So that's it's like another like there's more going on than just the romance. Yeah, definitely. Like there's like the the family dynamics I think really help like hone the romance for me. Yeah. Definitely. Her dad was so much more frustrating this time. Like I get that everything that he does is meant to be Like, he's old and set in his ways, plus also just comedic value, you know, you're old and you need to get married and have kids soon or whatever. But it just, this time watching it, I'm like, dude, you can't just tell your daughter that she looks like she's getting old and you can't be like, see what happens when you educate women? Like, oof, oof, I would have punched him. Yeah, it gets a little, I feel like... Greek is just a very patriarchal culture. Like, more than other cultures, it feels like. It just, it seems so opposite, because my dad has a friend who came from Greece when he was, I think, like, 20 or something. And so he obviously is, like, from Greece. He's very Greek. And he's very supportive of his daughter, as you would like all dads to be. But, like, I can't imagine him saying any of the things that Gus says, at least seriously, he would say it as oh, a no. joke. Oh, no. Like, I can't imagine... He was joking. But I was like, no, Gus, stop! Like, a person, like, anyone in this day and age doing that. But I appreciate they're trying to make him, like, old Greek. Very traditional Greek. I mean, I think it probably could have gone without the... the looking old line is, like, fine, because that's a universal thing that a lot of, like, single people will feel and joke about. Yeah. Uh, the... This is why women shouldn't be educated was like, oh, Gus. Yeah. You gotta... Like, you gotta I know it's meant as... Things. 
or think them. I know that for the movie, it's meant as a joke, but also just... Like, that's a joke no. that probably would not be written today if this were being made. Yeah. I, I, I think they'd of... probably just cut that line, which would be fine. It's sort of strange, because he still comes across as a likable character, despite all of his, you know, overbearing, really masculinist views. And I sort of, I wondered how much of that was due to him being Greek, and like, <laughs> something he gets, not not like a pass exactly, but he gets a little bit of a pass, because he's so much part of a different culture. Like, I was just imagining... What would happen if Ian's dad were like, oh, you went to college for computers? I sure do hate how they're educating women these days. Like, like it, it wouldn't come across no. as funny. It would just be, like, chauvinist and messed up. Um, but when Gus says it, it would just be, yikes. we're sort of like, oh, like, you silly old Greek man with your backwards views. Like, you know... There's... That's not how things are now in 2002. It does really help that they have already, by that point that line happens, they've already presented, like, Greek, we are making loving fun of, of like, being Greek, because it's a lot sometimes. So you're, so you're already primed to think of, like, things that Gus does as comedic and kind of other, as opposed to base so i think that helps separate it a little bit but i also like i'm again i'm not greek i i feel like i have seen people who are greek be like my big fat greek wedding is extremely accurate to greek family dynamics and i feel like that's right i can't actually speak to that but i haven't heard of anyone greek complaining about misrepresentation in this movie but anyway, yeah, I'm willing to give, to, like, shake my head at Gus's women lines. Mm-hmm. That's how we got here. That's how we got to this point. Yes. That's, that's what we were talking about. <laughs> that's, that is, that, that was the starting point. Yeah, I, I do sort of wonder what it, what it would be like. Or like what the experience is for someone who did grow up in a Greek family, watching this movie and seeing Gus act like that. Like, do yeah, they do know. they laugh at like, oh, like that's my dad too, or is there a different kind of reaction? Or even like maybe not their dad, but somebody that they know who who does believe those things or at least says them. I I I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either, but I am curious about it. What else should we talk about? One thing that I also noticed while watching this is, again, I feel like all the rom-coms of about that time had, like, Kate Hudson and Julia Roberts and other skinny white women. And so it was really nice to see a person who looked like not a twig yeah. who stepped off a model. Like, she had a real average body type, as did her family. And it was really nice to see, because you don't see that that often. And I feel like it probably wasn't that common in 2002. So 
it was just a, a small thing that I thought was really nice. Showing, you know, actual real people. Yeah, like Tula feels like a real woman to me instead of like a rom-com protagonist. Like, even yeah, though she she gets the classic makeover where she takes off her glasses and does something slightly different with her hair. It's like, oh, like you look really nice, but you're clearly no one is doing the make the no one is doing the makeover for her, which I think makes a difference. And you see a couple scenes of her experimenting with different things, which ties into her theme of like self-identity and discovery and getting out there and stuff. So I'm like, oh, she's just like taking pride in her appearance, figuring out what she likes, trying out new things. Like, that's great. Good for you, Tula. And then of course she's pretty, but like she was, she was before, but I respect the big glasses and like the very straight hair with the hairpin to the side. And like the, 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 it was, she calls herself frump girl and Ian's like, I don't remember frump girl, but her skirt was very frumpy. And so I refer to frump only in that sense. Her like actual clothes were just frumpy, the cardigan and the skirt and like the black shoes. And like, it's never unattractive. It's just like, not something that, she looks like a child who was dressed by her parent. You know, little girls are always in like the cardigans and the tights and like their adult clothing. But the vibe that I get is like someone whose life is mostly planned out for her. And then when she starts dressing, she looks like a 30 year old woman. And it's like, it's really nice. And I'm just like happy for her. So you get, you get the, the really fun makeover scene that are just fun to watch, but it feels more real and like an attainable makeover. Her clothes definitely parallel her becoming more comfortable with herself and just in the world as time goes on. Because before it was very, like, the clothes themselves were very reserved, you know, like a high turtleneck kind of blend, Mm -hmm. colors. We would see her reacting to things going on around her, but she didn't necessarily engage with them. And I think it was fun because then you got to see her you know, curling her hair and wearing it different ways and having more vibrant clothing as she herself is putting herself out there more. And I think it was a really nice parallel and how they did that. And it wasn't just a, oh, she ditched the glasses and got some new clothes and now she's prettier looking. Yeah, which the is, had you a know, point. I think what rom-coms try to do. But yeah, it had, it had purpose to it. And I also think it was nice because I remember seeing... Um, some post about how, you know, in movies, it's always the quote-unquote ugly girl who has the glasses and the curly hair. And I thought it was nice that in this... Or, oh, yeah, then when she has her transformation, she ditches the glasses and has straight hair. And so I know that Tula still, you know, gets rid of her glasses. She doesn't keep wearing them throughout the movie. But I do like that she has curly hair throughout the movie Because as a person who has straight hair, it had never occurred to me that all these different rom-coms were showing that the curly hair is the before unattractive thing, and then the nice attractive thing, the after picture, is straight hair. So I like that this had kind of the opposite. Her hair was much more straight before, and then it became, after she was, you know, becoming more comfortable, very full, very voluminous. Very, very and I really like her, but... Entertaining, and she has fantastic hair, and again, I think it also mirrors her 
just coming out into the world. And I was I was a big fan. It kills I say big fan all the time, but that's because I am a big fan. Are you sure? Yes. Okay. I don't believe you. You can believe whatever you want, but I'm still truthin'. It kills me, by the way, that curly hair is not represented in, in like, female protagonists who people end up dating. I don't know. It's, like, I know there's, like, the trope, the curly hair is less attractive than the straight hair, and I've never gotten it. I would kill for curly hair. I would love curly hair. It's always grass is greener on the other side. Yeah. 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 I don't yeah. get it. Yeah. I did like the sort of um I guess I guess it is kind of a trope the um you know losing the glasses and changing the hair and suddenly you become attractive in the eyes of the world. But I did like yeah. the the parallel thinking about it through like Wonder Woman where she goes to the clothes shop and they try and like put glasses on her to make her <laughs> blend in more. She's got glasses yeah. on her. She's not the most beautiful woman in the world. Exactly. I like it made me it made me think back to that. And I and in hindsight, like that scene from Wonder Woman is obviously playing with this trope. But I don't know. It was just a it was a callback now that I've seen I've seen some movies. 20, now that you've seen some movies, you understand references I, and I, jokes. I yeah. Do. Tropes. I'm so proud of you. I do. Look at that. Making you're connections. Like, you're like leveling up. Yeah. I've been playing. You're evolving. I've been playing a lot of Fire Emblem, and whenever somebody gets something, they play like triumphant music, and it goes from like C to C plus in lances. And that's how I feel with you right now. And I'm a solid C pop plus. Pop culture in tropes. Solid you're C a solid plus. C plus. In Great. pop culture tropes. All right. I'll take it. Good. That's what I'm giving you. Good. And another thing, going back to just how Ian is wonderful, and like Hallie mentioned earlier when he said, I don't remember Frump Girl, but I remember you. Like, again, he you could tell when he first meets Tula and doesn't realize it's Tula at the restaurant. Well, it's not that he doesn't realize. it. You know, their romance hasn't begun. And she's standing there staring, and then she's like, oh, you know, you ever have one of those days where your brain just stops? You can tell that he's a little bit like, this woman is just standing here. Does she want something? And then the funny moment where she fills his coffee instead of Ian's co-worker friend's coffee. But he doesn't say, like yeah, you look better now, or anything like that. He just goes, no, I don't remember Frump Girl, but I remember you. And it was such a sweet moment. Like, oh my god, I love Ian so much. Ian's pretty wonderful. I like how charmed he is by uh, the cafe. Dancing Zorbus, that's what it's called. Yes! Because when he goes in, he's like, wow, this is a cool place. And his friend is like, what? Then he moves on to a different conversation topic. Then he's like, what is the spice in the potatoes? And I'm like, yes, you care about the important things. What is the spice on the yes. potatoes? And like, I would eat at Dancing Zorba. What is the spice on the samosas? It looks like a great place. Great cafes are amazing. It does look really good. Like, I would absolutely eat there. Definitely. There are not enough Greek and or other ethnic food places out in the suburbs where we live. Anyway, Dancing Zorba's. Yeah. Try yeah, the potatoes. Yeah, cool. He's got priorities. 
and he's like really nice and willing yeah. to do. He's quite vegetarian. A lot. He's a vegetarian. Yeah. Is is Ian? Which I like, know I said before, but I I like it. Is Ian like a little bit too good? Is he like? No. The, he's not. He's neither manic nor much of a pixie. But is he a manic pixie dream boy? Um, I mean, like, only in the sense that he is too good that, like, I'm never gonna find an actual guy in real life who is as delightful as Ian. He may think he is, and I may trick myself into thinking that he is, but I will know deep down that Ian is better. You're, you're already, you're already shutting yourself off <laughs> from, <laughs> like, any potential, like, anyone you date won't be as good as Ian so you say now. Yeah. I mean, you're probably right, is the yeah. thing. But it's a pretty negative outlook. I I don't know. I'm not saying that they can't come close to meeting Ian's level of greatness. I'm just saying, like, not everyone has to be completely opposite of Ian. Like, I just feel like Ian's great, and he's wonderful, and more people should be like Ian, but they are probably... You know, diamonds in the rough. And he's not going to be charmed by our Mediterranean restaurants because we don't have enough. It's true. That is that it is, is true. You can't make tell it more difficult. Straight away. He's like he's on the cusp for me because he is like a little bit too dreamy. He teaches like what was it, like high school literature or something? Yeah, he's teaching Hamlet. Which is yes, yeah, which is like a dreamy profession. And he's like, I'm giving a test on Hamlet, but I gave my students fair warning. He's like, oh, he's a cool teacher, <laughs> right? Who the kids like, <laughs> and he has like the long hair, and you know, he like kind of does the cool guy slouch with his hands in his pockets, and he is also endearingly not quite perfect like he's kind of awkward when he goes in that first time to the travel agency to just be like hi but that whole scene is awkward and really cute because like it has to be because it's a meat cute and those should be more awkward than they are in rom-coms because everybody's weird when they meet somebody that they're attracted to but i feel like he doesn't ever Despite the fact that he, like, is perfect and does the whole, I will be baptized to Greek Orthodoxy, I will go along with all of these things your parents want. Like, what was the, what was the venue called for the reception? Like, Aphrodite's Palace? Aphrodite's yeah. Palace? Yeah. He just, he's like, yeah, this is fine. Like, I know that they care a lot more than I do, so whatever. He just... He feels like even though he's very chill and laid back, he has agency. And like, yeah, yeah even I mean... if he is too perfect for the purposes of the movie, I sort of understand that we're seeing the best parts of their relationship. And this is me perhaps extrapolating more than I should have. I feel like they're a very normal couple off the screen and that they have less dreamy moments when they're together. I don't know, he... Watch My Big Fat Greek Wedding 2 for those moments. I have not watched My Big Fat Greek Wedding 2. 
It is not as good as the first, yeah. but you will see them have unperfect moments. Okay. I'm kind of, I'm interested in that. I'm interested to see them have some imperfect moments. I don't know. I feel yeah. like he's. It also has. Yeah, I think, I think you're right that he does. He is pretty dreamy while also having agency and going after what he wants. But in this movie, yeah. what he really wants is Tula. And it's he's, true, but okay, so when you have really a man that to... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Wait, Hallie, are you saying that this is bad against Ian? I'm confused because you're like, here's a great thing that he does and here's a great thing that he does. Oh, no, not at all. Here's a great thing that he not does. But I also feel like he he's great because he also has agency and it sounds like you're phrasing it as if you're trying to say a negative and I'm not hearing any negatives. No, no, I'm just trying to like... because there are none, but... I'm just trying to like, because like... I'm trying to compare him in reference to the manic pixie dream girl trope, but the thing about the manic pixie dream girl trope is that the girl often has an effect on the man besides the man just liking that girl and falling in love with her. It's like, oh, she teaches him to be more of a free spirit, or like she gives him this thing that he did not heretofore have. And I feel like Ian doesn't do that for Tula because Tula's already pretty... She's she's gone through her like metamorphosis and she's pretty much her complete person. So he doesn't like the movie doesn't need him to give Tula anything. He's 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 there. This was much better phrased in my You're head. Doing a poorly. Ago. I know this is one of my poorer explanations, and I have a lot of those. Like like. Well. Like, the one thing that she does Manic Pixie Dream Girl feels like the movie telling you, this is what you should be so that men will like you. Ian feels like this is what you should be because it's nice and it's a good way to be. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Yes. Okay. I'm not yeah. looking too much into it. I also don't think it's a problem to have ideal men in movies if we have, like, ideal women... I just don't know that Ian fills that. Yeah, I think... I'm done. Somebody else take over. <laughs> well, I I think you're right that that Tula has sort of self-actualized almost. Like she's she's gone from working at the family restaurant because that was really the only path for her to, you know, learning about computers because that's a thing that she's really passionate about and giving herself a makeover because she decided that she wanted to feel better about her appearance or whatever. And so she has like all of these things going right for her in her life. And the one thing that she's really lacking is companionship. And so it's good that Ian fills that role without being the thing that Tula is living for, I guess, because Tula is living for herself. She just, yeah, like really, you know, she is kind of lonely and does want a partner, but it's not a thing that feels like absolutely necessary, you know. Like I'm trying. There's nothing wrong with like wanting romance or like having that be a focus in your life if that's what you want. It just again is different from a lot of rom coms where. The sole focus is the relationship slash what the character needs, you know? 
Yeah. Like, like Tula, Tula's gotten what she absolutely needs. It's all good. And now she's gotten what she deserves. Which is Ian. Yeah. And she also, you know, I guess another thing that she does sort of need is a little bit of space to get out from under her father's thumb a little bit. And Ian provides that as well. You know, she does, like, wind up lying to her family about their relationship at first and says she's taking a pottery class. But, you know, she she's found a way to get away from them when she needs to get away from them and be happy with somebody else, like, outside of the family and outside of... maybe even outside of being Greek. Though I don't think that she's, like, embarrassed or anything about her heritage. But I think that Ian does provide... A way of I don't know an an escape a little bit from the life that she's had which is so defined by the culture and by her family and especially by her father sometimes when he's being overbearing and kind of a jerk about it yeah if that makes any sense yeah he just it no he's definitely an escape because he's just so opposite but not in a bad way of everything that she's had yeah, he's like he's he's more quiet and he listens and they get to even just on their dates it's an actual escape because she gets to go to a nice Italian restaurant instead of sitting at her pam- uh family restaurant and just continuing to interact with her parents, her siblings, her cousins. It's a literal like actual escape and then also just a nice little break from constant Greek things all the time and again I also don't think she's embarrassed by it I think she just has it surrounding her constantly and sometimes you just want a little little tiny pause it's true yes is there anything else that we should be talking about oh can we talk about I do I have one thing yes that kind of ties into my favorite scene being the grandma trying to run away and getting foiled by the sprinklers when she is like, she did it again by the sprinklers. Yeah, that's what you did. Keep going. Whatever. She has she has one like lucid moment, and that's when she comes in. I think it's the night before Tula's wedding, or it's like approaching Tula's wedding, with the little box of like photographs and the floral crown. And I just think that's a really sweet moment because there's no. The grandma has not been here mentally, like, the whole movie. And yet for this one scene, like, something about this moment she is around here for. She knows, like, what to bring Tula. And even though she doesn't say anything, she has a conversation with her, pointing at the pictures and then at herself to be like, that was me. And then, like, putting the crown on on Tula. You know, it's like, it's saying, like, I love you. And I'm happy for you, and I support you. And it's just a really nice moment, because it comes after her mom's speech about how they came to this country so their kids could live their lives. I, I like that, for, like, I really like, um, I don't know, I just really like the phrase, so that you can live live your lives. Because Tula's concerned that she's killing everybody. Right. Yeah. I just think that's a really nice moment, and it's another one of those, like, emotionally poignant ones that grounds the movie into being more than a comedy. 
Yeah. I agree. I like that moment a lot too. That was it. That was that was my moment. Okay. Yeah, that was it. That was your one final thing. It was a good one. Yeah, and I I think we just about covered it all. I can't think of anything else. All right. So, for next time, Ralph and his wife Florence have lived together nearly all their lives. The two are inseparable and very much in love. So when Florence dies at the age of 72, Ralph is heartbroken and takes it out on the world. He becomes angry, cold, and mean to his neighbors, and the children of the neighborhood learn to leave the old man alone, or else. Then, one day, the city decides they're going to put in a new road, going straight through Ralph's property. They give him 30 days to move out, but Ralph can't bear to leave his home, where he lived with Florence for 50 years, and where all of his memories of her are. So he comes up with a plan to move the house elsewhere, lifting it off the ground with hundreds of balloons and flying it to a vacant lot across town. Unfortunately, the plan works too well, and Ralph, his house, and Kevin, a small boy who loves balloons and has been hiding away in the attic for some reason, get stuck in the air, drifting aimlessly wherever the jet stream will take them. For the next movie, we're watching Up, a movie that I only know is deeply sad for the first 10 minutes, so it better not make <laughs> me cry, because once I get going, it's impossible for me to stop. So, It up. makes most people cry. Oh, I hope it doesn't make me cry. <laughs> I haven't cried. I. It made me cry, and I used to I, be one of the... It. I don't oh, cry very often. It's been, like, a very long time. But when I do, I'm just, like, inconsolable for, like, <laughs> like hours. It's, it's awful. <laughs> so if Up makes me cry, I just won't. It just I'll goes. just be checked out for the rest of the movie because I'll <laughs> be sobbing on my couch. So. Yeah, Up came out before I realized that I actually do cry at a lot of movies like happy things, sad things doesn't matter, I'm crying and but it came out before then and for a while I was like I don't, I don't really cry at things you know, unless it's like a dog dying but beyond that I am rock solid, no not for the beginning of Up, at the very least you have to get misty eyed or else you don't have a heart I think I don't cry but I do get choked up a lot at things. Like at the end of this movie, where Gus comes up at the end and gives the envelope to Tula and Ian, and Ian's like, they bought us a house. Like, I got really choked up. Like, oh my god, they bought them a house. And then the house winds yeah. up, like, comically being right next door to the the family home. But, yeah. like, I don't know. Even then, I was... I was choked up. I was choked up when, like, the Rohirrim show up at the end of the two towers. And they're just like... God, right? <laughs> when they when they show up and Gandalf is with them and they're like, we're here to save the day. And then they go and they save the day. Like, I got choked up over that. There's been a I lot of... There's been a lot of moments like that. So, if if that happens... And neither one of you cried at the fault in our stars. No, I'm sorry. No. I'm sorry for the fault in our star is not for you. Unacceptable. Yeah. You're gonna have to accept it. 
So, anyways, up, up. We're gonna we're gonna watch we're gonna watch some of that. Yeah, I'm really excited for this one. Yeah, you can thank Kristen because this was her suggestion. No, nah. Yes, it was. I think it's about time that David has seen up, and that time will come in two weeks. Two Stay weeks. Tuned. Stay tuned. All right. Well, goodbye, Kristen. Farewell, David. Goodbye, Hallie. I was also going to say farewell, and I'm mad that Kristen got to say it first, so I bid you adieu. Adieu. So long, viewers. Viewers. So long, listeners. So so long, whatever it is you're doing with this podcast. (laughs) Audience. Audience. Goodbye.